Let me start recording. Make sure I don't pick you guys up. Okay. All right. Good. Good to go. I mean, we are pretty important. This is our fucking show, Tim. We have to be on this. <laughs> this isn't a solo performance by you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're just going to cut yeah. you out anyway. You feel like That's all right. so much energy tonight, Tim. <laughs> well, I'm ready to fall asleep. What's going on? <laughs> pyramid scheme a lot of people think it's a pyramid scheme but it's not people used to raise their eyebrows because i breastfed him until he was almost five and i say well you just look at the results my father didn't think so much of you at first Jeannie, I'm on my way out to see you. You're coming now? Don't tell me you couldn't use a little extra help with all those wedding arrangements. Life is short, and I can't afford to waste another minute. This will be easy. Be in and out. It'll be the, That's okay. Uh, it'll be quick and painless. Maybe painless. I don't yep. know. Dave's hosting. Well, so. it'll be quick. It'll yeah. be quick. I don't know how painless. <laughs> That's what Dave was grumbling about in our little pre-chat here was uh, the difficulty of doing about <laughs> when, you know, the other half dies pretty quickly in the film. <laughs> the true romantic comedy <laughs> about Schmidt, an hour of death and mourning. <laughs> I thought it was lovely, so. I'm sure you did. <laughs> All right, so welcome to our Christmas spectacular, and we are not doing a Christmas movie, of course, but we do have the most joyful the sweetest podcaster we know, Tim Costa of First Time Watchers. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's great to be a guest on the True Bromance Film Podcast. I'm really happy to be here to discuss the greatest film of all time, Geostorm. You know, if you were on True Bromance, uh, that would be a very sad uh, lump of coal because, as you well know, no one listens to that show. You actually have people listening to this show. So <laughs> up your game just a little bit, Tim. Tell us what you're doing over at First Time Watchers. Uh, Patreon.com slash First Time Watchers. Oh, that's great. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all that's really all I need to say is just go to patreon.com slash first time watchers. You can see the links to all our shows and, and, and what we do and what goes on and then you can give us money. Yeah, I mean I guess that's in the holiday spirit. You know, that I don't know it, right. it it works as a transition to my second question, you know, making fun of ourselves. What's a better Christmas uh, romance that we should have picked for this week, Tim? Just off the top Holy of your head. Shit. Uh, sallow i don't know uh, uh a serbian tim. look tim uh, come on what? be nice on. be nice to our it's, listeners love actually love actually would fit in with this uh, uh of the show of course uh to me love stories he, we tried that crazy stupid love it's too hard yeah for a half hour I, there's yeah we i can't believe you're one. not saying die hard like who are you right now look i don't i don't want to be a broken <laughs> record you know i have a broken record enough as it is over this past weekend on twitter you know uh uh, promoting uh, the greatest movie of all time, but Which you can—I'm sure you can buy on discount on iTunes right now. Geostorm is what you're <laughs> Probably. referencing. Probably about four ninety nine now. So uh, buy that for your loved ones and thank yes. uh, first time watchers. So absolutely. All right, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Dave because uh, Tim was very brief in his thoughts. Give me money for the Christmas season. <laughs> I, I like that. So uh, Dave, what are we talking about this week? 
All right. So this week we are talking about About Schmidt. So About Schmidt is kind of a romantic comedy that has a bit of a difficult buy-in for the audience. Basically, the first half of this film features Jack Nicholson playing Warren Schmidt, dealing first with his retirement and then with his his wife's sudden death. Because of this, the movie does take its time with introducing the romantic subplot, and that doesn't happen until the back half of the film. However, it does stand out, especially with Nicholson playing against type and dealing with sexual relationships of older adults. So we'll start with the meet-cute. The meet-cute occurs when Kathy Bates, playing Warren's soon-to-be-in-law, welcomes him into her home off of his Winnebago. He is immediately regaled with stories about her previous marriages, a hysterectomy, and lots of stories about her son, who Warren, to put it lightly, is not a fan of. So amidst all this business of the upcoming wedding, Roberta certainly stands out as different from Warren's wife, both in her habits and in her willingness to speak exactly what is on her mind. This comes complete with a knockdown drag out fight with one of her ex-husbands in which she tells him to drink his fucking milk and shut the fuck up. Is there any clue that these two will want to start a relationship? And does this actually fit with a real meet cute? Tim, we'll start with you, our guest. No, no, not at all. No, I don't. I don't know what the hell you're talking about there, because I uh, look, uh, man. I, I was trying to make heads or tails of this movie uh, as it was going on, and I honestly did not even realize or know it was an Alexander Payne movie until the credits started rolling at the end of the movie. And when you talk about Alexander Payne movies, you know, I think anything that you those descriptors of meet cute and anything else that goes on with the theme of the show can, can really be said about a number of his other movies, you know, in some form or fashion. I, I, like I said, I would never have been able to tell this what is an Alexander Payne movie, especially coming right after or three years after election and two years after uh, before sideways. It's so strange. This feels like a, like it would be his first movie. You know, I haven't seen citizen Ruth, so I don't know, you know, how this would compare to that, you know, stylistically or thematically or anything like that. So I, I honestly, it's, it's, it's an odd one to talk about, you know, in terms of romantic comedy, you know, or any kind of real, uh, any of those, you know, same, anything in that same genre, because it, it, it's hard to classify. It's hard to, uh, and it may have something to do with, Jack Nicholson being cast in this movie. I don't think he's the right person for this movie. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I honestly don't even know where to take it from there because I, I'm so kind of baffled by this movie. Well, I mean, you're, there's, you're there are... taking the bat to Alexander Payne to Jack Nicholson. Who else you want to you want to take a, <laughs> She's a throw Kathy Bates under the Hope bus Davis? Or... <laughs> Anyone else you want to <laughs> swat? Dermot Mulroney, like come on. Oh, you know, I'm I'm kind of disappointed that I'm actually able to to see you on video, Mike, because I was imagining that you look exactly like Dermot Mulroney in this movie. You know, mm. I, I I really was He's got hoping better hair. The, the... <laughs> <laughs> or at least he takes great pride in his hair. I'll say that. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's good uh, hair, yeah, but that's, it's something. That's, that's that's something else of a mullet. I love the the mustache though. Um, Look, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, it's it's interesting to see just like the relationship, I guess, between him and his daughter, and it's just something that's so foreign to me because I am close to my parents, and this is obviously a a a girl or a woman who, you know, wanted distance, wanted to be uh, away from her parents, but I I didn't really get any insight or anything like that. I don't know. 
uh, there's not much insight really into much that goes on into the the headspace of these these people. Even though you spend a lot of time at the beginning of this movie with Jack Nicholson, uh, you, 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 I don't really understand, you know, what's going on in his head. Uh, it, it's 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 a lot of emptiness going on in this movie that doesn't allow me to to soak in anybody's characters. So I don't know. It's a fine movie. It's not terrible or anything like that. I, I think it's buoyed by uh, a nude Kathy Bates. I'm all for that. Um, of course. choice of words. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think, uh, Mike, what about you? What about you? Like with, with this first couple of interactions between these two characters, is there any part of you that's rooting for them or is it just too awkward to, to even deal with in, in those scenes? Yeah, I don't know if I'd say rooting. Uh, I do think that Kathy Bates' Roberta here is the perfect foil to this version of Jack Nicholson. And maybe mm-hmm. if you're a fan of his work, you're wanting to see him go big at some point. And she's playing a very big brash character. And so you're wanting him to, to snap out of it. But I think the way the film plays it is this is not, this is not the person to snap him out of it. Like the thing that I had forgotten about this film, this wasn't a first time watch was, you know, he's someone that in the first act, He's out of love with his wife, like in uh, Tim alluded to. We have a, a voiceover where he's questioning basically every decision he's made other than his daughter. He seems to really cherish her, but strangely, he doesn't seem to know anything about her adult life. He just he just likes the idea of his daughter. But clearly his wife you know, doesn't even seem to recognize her physically anymore. Everything she says, even innocuous things like grabbing the keys too early out of the grocery store, bothers him, pains him. So I, I think when Kathy Bates comes, yeah, I don't know if we're rooting for it, but I think that she brings some sense of justice to the audience mm-hmm. that's like, okay, you complained about a lot of like maybe monotony in your life. So we're going to give you the exact opposite of that. Here's someone that is, as you said, will just uh, at the, the family dinner before this, this wedding, <laughs> will tell her you know, ex-husband just to drink his fucking milk and shut the fuck up. And I do remember seeing this in theaters and that got that got a huge laugh because I think people were just like they wanted someone who was not in their own head like Jack Nicholson. They mm-hmm. wanted someone who's not neurotic and just will play it for laughs. And Kathy Bates comes in. She's like the DH. She comes in and takes some pretty right. big swings here. But no, am I rooting for this relationship to go any further? No, I, I think I'm just rooting for him to keep prodding Schmidt. I, I don't want him to act on he- it. I don't think that's the intention of this movie. That's not the intention is for them to create a relationship, to develop a relationship, you know, uh, um, physically or, uh, or anything like that, you know, maybe spiritually, if anything else, you know, uh, you know, through the family and whatnot. But I, I don't think there's ever any romantic relationship building through, through this film. I don't know. And, and any, any kind of contrast, I think that's, that's the sole purpose of, their meetings, their time together is to show the differences in their, how they act and react in certain situations. You know, it's just, you you spend so much time in the beginning of this film with Jack Nicholson and how staid and steady he is and how traditional and conservative he is. And, and then he's thrust into this, this completely different type of lifestyle, which obviously, you know, his daughter having lived that, that life uh, with, with his, with her father, you know, 
you know, she is is looking for something like this. This contrast, this difference. You know, it, you know, her moving all far away, and and of course, uh, being drawn to this type of family. So, you know, that's the only purpose of this is just to show the contrast in in people and styles. Yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see that. I think I'm the only one uh, who is rooting for these two, and I think it's because of something Mike you mentioned that how how different she is from him and how different she is from his wife. And I think like if if Warren were to ever have a successful relationship again, he'd probably need someone like Roberta. He'd need someone to call him on his shit. And I really appreciate their interactions. And I like how kind of in your face she is. And it definitely takes him by surprise. Um, But I don't think he dislikes her as much as maybe he dislikes the rest of her family. I think there's something about her that he is drawn to, whether it's, you know, in a... The drugs are pretty helpful. Yeah, the drugs help. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But let's let's move to the breakup. So... Mind if I join you? In a very strange turn for our show, there really isn't a romantic relationship that comes to any kind of fruition. However, Roberta is much more sexually aggressive than Warren and is clearly interested. She joins Warren in the hot tub completely naked and makes physical contact. Warren reacts really strongly and flees the scene using the excuse of being tired and having a long day. So as this maybe possible relationship crashes and burns, do you feel any regret as an audience member that it didn't happen? And did the end of the movie, which in my opinion shows that Warren is craving some kind of connection, does that change your stance on this at all? What about you, Tim? No, 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 no. Because I get the feeling that she would try to hook up with anybody who I, I, I like she has done this. Now? Is that what's happening? No, I'm not slush shaming at all. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly open to, to her being uh, not, I won't say promiscuous. I would just say, uh, having an open relationship, she probably has an open relationship of some sort. You know, there's probably an understanding. That's what I get is that she has done this before, you know, and not necessarily, she's not necessarily attracted solely to someone like Warren. You know, it could have been 
anybody in that tub, male, female, whatever, you know, and, and I think that she would have been, uh, you know, seeing if that person is willing to experiment or whatever. So uh, that, that's why I don't see any connection physically, uh, emotionally or whatever to you know, between them, you know, so uh, I don't know. It, it, um, you know, and when it comes to the end, yes, I, I agree that there's probably, uh, you know, an emotional arc, uh, you know, um, a transition that Warren has made. By the end of this movie, uh, only through this interaction and and his travels. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, like I said, this there's not enough meat on this movie, anyways, for me to really care that much by the end. I think you know I agree with what Tim was saying earlier about the contrast here. Uh, I don't know if the Roberta character would come on that strong to anyone in particular, although. It, it does leave you somewhat wanting why she would be attracted to Warren Schmidt, given that he says very little in these family interactions and what she knows of him is his hesitance for his daughter to marry into this family. It's, it's not like he's been this great, gregarious, kind, lovable guy. So part of me that, you know, part of the distaste, I guess I have for her uh, pushing that is it's just one more awkward encounter for what is already like, and that seems to be the way her character deals with awkward situations is just sort of bulldoze right over top of them. You know, she's aware that he's there in some respects to stop or question the validity of this relationship between her son and his daughter. And she, you know, the way she tries to soothe him and say that it's going to be okay is to talk about his daughter's, sex life with her son saying mm. it's great nothing to worry about <laughs> so i i don't know she's she's definitely playing sort of a, a weird game here but uh i think there's a you know the, the counterpoint to this because i don't want to be too down on her character is you know he does something very similar early in the film where he comes on to a complete stranger Way totally totally misreads <laughs> yeah. the signs with this person who is just taking pity on him like you know they're talking about the death of his wife and that's she you can tell she doesn't really want to go further other than saying like you know sorry for your loss basically and that's all she's man. got yeah, yeah that's poor, it. um i don't know what sort of pillow talk that is i'm sure some of our listeners it works <laughs> for them shout out to true romance podcast <laughs> play a promo right now uh, well if you have interest in uh in uh 60 year olds on wheels and uh hot or not conversations and why don't you type in the old google machine go on the google and type in true romance film podcast and uh, you'll be able to find us. Just Google it. So yeah, I the the, the romance here. The way I I took it was uh, more about his his dead wife than anything. Like he 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 goes through more of an arc after her passing, as far as you know, grieving for her, uh, and then finding the letters, the evidence that she had an affair at some point in their marriage with what he presumed to be a good friend, uh, and then he asks her for forgiveness after he hits the road. Like so, you know, he's he's still very conflicted there. The only, the only bit of romance here is not particular to one person, be it Roberta or whoever. It's just that, as you said, Dave, that he finds some sort of connection. And he thinks he's there to make to reconnect with his daughter. Um, and I think she's probably the most interesting character, the way Hope Davis mm-hmm. plays her. And there's a little bit of a bridezilla element. There's one scene where she oh, yes. she bulldozes right over you know, Mr. Great Hair, Randall. Um, and I think that's probably the, that's one misgiving I have with the film is I did want, as Tim said, maybe a little more insight into that particular relationship. Cause I agree with Tim that she's clearly marrying into a very different type of family, less conservative. 
but she also lashes out. She she does seem aware that these are stupid people. Like that they, are, yes. that they are, you know, that some of that stuff really does get on her nerves. So yeah, as we get into the grand gesture, I don't think it's going to have anything to do with uh, Roberta or the dead wife. I think the, for me, the grand gesture here is what he does for his daughter, and basically what he does not do. What he is, he does mm-hmm. not say finally in his his father's speech on wedding day. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, be- so before we move into that, I think it's interesting. You brought up this idea, like, oh, I don't know why Roberta likes him. He's not gregarious. He's not funny. He's not talkative. I think she loves that about him. She wants someone to shut the fuck up and drink their fucking milk and not, you know, big toasts every nine minutes at every family <laughs> dinner. Um, and as I was watching it, like, I definitely wasn't rooting for for this to happen. Like that scene in the hot tub, it is really awkward and really uncomfortable, and you understand why warren runs like why he leaves because this is not something he asked for although he as you mentioned he did do the same thing to someone else um but as as the film ends like looking back on that scene it just kind of made me sad to think about that like he doesn't really have anybody he even though he went on this journey to connect with his daughter i think if anything he might be either he's the same amount connected or less connected to her now they didn't have some big moment that she is aware of so like all of this trip in a lot of ways is kind of a failure for him and he is left with his letters to this to this kid and just kind of crying over this lack of connection and this loneliness and this isolation he has in his life so it's it's tough so you're saying he, um, should, so, he should take the shot in the hot tub at least well, have one know, win I, under his belt there. That's right. Before you go, you've convinced yes. me, Dave. I, it didn't I take will, much convincing. Will, a gentle breeze will, convinced me there. <laughs> I will say that the last ten minutes of this movie are the best. I think you know when mm-hmm. when it comes to his, you know, like the last letter that he's writing to to uh, Ubu, Ubuto. Indugu. What's it? Indugu. Indugu. Yeah. Indugu and and uh, the letter that he receives, you know, uh, from from the 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 nun or, or whatever that's helping out with the town and and you know that the just also the journey back, you know, when he's he's stopping off at that archway or whatever and and you know the whole you know very obvious uh, you know thematic connection of you know their the, those. Uh, journeyman's struggles throughout the wilderness uh, compared to his struggle that he just went through, you know, emotionally or whatever. So, you know, while it's very blunt, you know, I do think it's still maybe the best part of the film because it does, it does a better job of explaining his headspace than anything else in the, the previous part of the, uh, uh, the movie. Dear Ndugu, you'll be glad to know that Jeannie's wedding came off without a hitch. Right now, she and Randall are on their way to sunny Orlando. On my nickel, of course. As for me, I'm headed back to Omaha. I'm driving straight through this time, and I've made only one stop. The impressive new arch over the interstate in Kearney, Nebraska. An arch that commemorates the courage and determination of the pioneers who crossed the state on their way west. You've really got to see it to believe it. And it kind of got me thinking. Looking at all that history and reflecting on the achievements of people long ago kind of put things into perspective. My trip to Denver, for instance, is so insignificant compared to the journeys that others have taken, the bravery that they've shown the hardships they've endured. 
I know we're all pretty small in the big scheme of things. And I suppose the most you can hope for is to make some kind of difference. But what kind of difference have I made? What in the world is better because of me? When I was out in Denver, I tried to do the right thing, tried to convince Jeannie she was making a big mistake, but I failed. Now she's married to that nincompoop and there's nothing I can do about it. I am weak. And I am a failure. There's just no getting around it. Relatively soon, I will die. Maybe in 20 years. Maybe tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Once I am dead and everyone who knew me dies too, it will be as though I never even existed. What difference has my life made to anyone? None that I can think of. None at all. Hope things are fine with you. Yours truly. Warren Schmidt. You know, like, uh, you were referencing, uh, was it Jeannie is his daughter's name? Jeannie, uh, and and any reasoning as to why she would have moved so far away and chose such a different family, you know, I, I, I wish, you know, like you said, I wish that there was more uh, of that, more of giving me more as to who these people are, you know, who she is a little bit more and, and why you know, she she was searching for so much different, you know. I think that's right. one thing with Payne's work that I, I kind of struggle with is, is he genuinely interested in these sort of flyover people from these states, people that are yeah. not on screen? Or, yes, or is of it course mean, he is. You think, because some of it can't, I mean, obviously, like Randall's haircut, that's a, sci- a visual gag that is somewhat, you know, it's just mean-spirited. Okay, this is the, you know, an idiot. This is the, the common man who falls for a pyramid scheme uh, and is clearly not good enough for the daughter. We have this this crazy family. Uh, there's even some interactions at work when Warren goes back after he's retired. You, you see the guy, the young guy that's taking his job. Those little moments that I'm, I am conflicted if he is genuine with that or if these are just freaks in his freak show that he's putting well, see, out for that's... the coastal elites like Dave to laugh at on screen. <laughs> right. yep. See, it's that's the thing, haircut. though, is... Is, is is when you talk about Alexander Payne, I, I mentioned his other films, and yes, he is he is interested in these people and who they are and the who and the why. You know, in Election and Sideways, The Descendants of Nebraska, he is clearly interested in every single one of these people, even the side characters. So I don't understand why there's so much lacking in this film. I don't get it. All right, so I think from here we're going to move to the grand gesture. So the grand gesture in About Schmidt is essentially a lie, or at best, withholding the truth. Warren is finally given the opportunity via a wedding toast to tell Randall, his son-in-law, and his family what he really thinks of him. So in a speech that might seem underwhelming to the crowd, he focuses on the small compliments that he can hold on to, include, including Randall's helping with the snow in front of his house and Roberta's cooking. We find out for sure that this is all a lie because in a monologue when he returns home, he terms himself a failure for this decision. 
So does the fact that his grand gesture is dishonest make it better or worse? And how do you feel about it given his reaction when he returns home? I I think – oh, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I mean, I, before Tim uh, takes the bat to this film again, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's better. <laughs> I approve of his his lie here because I think his daughter had made it clear multiple times that she objected to any objections he had for this wedding, or if she was going to entertain them. Basically, there's a bit of shame she's trying to impart on him that he should have been far more interested in her adult life earlier and not waited right. until her mother's death, his wife's death. So I I think I, I approve of this. And I, I do think there's a slight, there's a subtle reaction in Hope Davis in her face afterwards where you see Randall sort of just clapping because he's just like, I guess this is what we do. That was kind of a weird speech. <laughs> didn't have a, you know, didn't have a, a third act reveal there. Just sort of weird. My mom's cooking's good. Okay. My brother is, <laughs> I don't know, intriguing in some way with that close up of his face. But yeah, I think Hope Davis, I think she, she recognized what he did and what he did not say. So, um, the thing that I go back to is, is her face. I don't know. Like, you know, Dave, sometimes on the show, we've talked about this, the possible sequels to these like romance stories, if they would last. And I think in that moment, I'm thinking like, no, this relationship doesn't last. Like in some ways he was right that he should have stopped mm -hmm. this, but he, it was too late in the game to make this sort of, you know, come back to stop this, this wedding from happening. Uh, surprisingly enough, I do agree with you, Mike. Because oh, shut I, shut like it down. <laughs> Show's over. <laughs> okay. Cue the music. We're done. Pa Patreon.com slash first time watchers. Um, you know, yeah. Like I said, the, the last, the last 10 minutes or so of this film I said are the best. And, and I think it starts with that scene. I think I agree that, that he did the right thing by lying, by not being truthful because he knew that was the best thing for that situation. And, uh, for, you know, maybe salvaging any kind of relationship with his daughter, you know, he wants to, uh, continue a relationship with her. He wants to, you know, soothe her, you know, any kind of, uh, hesitancy or anger she would have towards him, uh, at that moment. And, and, and I think even in her face, like you said, that she's recognizing that he's not being entirely truthful and that's fine. That's fine for the moment. So that grand gesture, as you say, is, is earned because I think we also realize that Warren is, it, you know, coming to terms with what he needs to do going forward. So uh, from that moment forward, you know, it's the best part of the film. Too bad it was an hour and 45 minutes in. <laughs> Jeez, Hot tub just couldn't resist getting Hot one more. Hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. I think this grand gesture really works. Um, I, you know, I, I had this moment as I was watching, you know, this character kind of go through this movie. And there's he's a difficult character because there's not a lot to like about him. Like even when he's, you know, has his internal monologues about his wife before, before she has passed, it's pretty ugly. And he has a lot of bad things to say about a lot of people and he keeps it all inside. And this is one of the few times that he, you know, he actually did keep this wrapped up and do the right thing here. But I think in a way it's really oddly undercut by the end of the film where he's thinking about it and he's just, he's wishing he would have said it. He's wishing he would have really told them what he thought. So it's like, it's, I think it can be argued like how much this character has grown. I think there is some growth and there is an arc, but he's still kind of stuck 
in that in that kind of regretful stage where he's like, I wish I really would have twisted the knife. I really wish I would have ended this relationship when I could. And, you know, I think he did the right thing, but it makes me wonder, like, if he did it for the right reasons or how he feels about it at the end of the movie. It's a little it's a little tough to take. I think a lot of that has to do also, once again, with the casting of Jack Nicholson. You know, mm-hmm. he, he he's someone who works better and especially earlier on in his career with verbal performances, you know, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of verbal performance in this movie. You know, he's required to do a lot of nonverbal acting, you know, and reacting. And that's not, especially for the tone of this film, I don't think that's his forte. I think that, you know, we, we've seen other people like, you know, uh, uh, Paul Giamatti and, and George Clooney and, and Matthew Broderick who are better at that kind of performance than, than someone like Jack Nicholson. So I, I just think it, it just starts with his casting, you know, right. uh, so it's, it's just so, not his wheelhouse. Right. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we also kind of like to talk about how we can apply the lessons we learned from these movies to our own lives. Um, so I'll start with you, Mike. Do you think there's a lesson to be learned for us here from uh, from Schmidt? Well, sure. Uh, I mean, he's projecting his failures on his daughter, who's, you know, this is her, as far as I know, her first marriage in this, this film. Like, this is, uh, you know, her uh, new step in her adulthood. And he's using this grieving process uh, that he has basically for his dead wife that he made a mistake, possibly, that he's not lived the best version of his life. And so he's going to course correct for his daughter. He's going to make that decision for her. But, I mean, that's that's a it's a fatherly concern. It's a parental concern there that you can understand. But he's also someone that if his wife had not passed, you know, there's a scene early on where, uh, she interrupts their average, I guess, morning, uh, you know, retirement, post-retirement morning. And he's agitated because she wants to have breakfast out in their RV. Like you can tell on his face, he's like, why are we doing this? Like it's yet again, it's just something small. It's just like, just, you know, as Roberto would say, just shut the fuck up and drink your milk. Just sit down, just have your breakfast there. So, you know, trying to make those decisions for his daughter, I understand her her sort of not backing down on this point, even if she's not totally convinced this guy is the one, because if her mother had not passed, he probably would have just lived his life. He might have grumbled <laughs> a little bit, but he would have gone to fucking Dairy Queen. He would have enjoyed his blizzard and, you know, watched come back to watch hockey and fall asleep in the recliner. So you have to question. I think that's one of the issues with the film is – is is he an entirely disingenuous character? I mean, this is like a passionate play he's making, this Hail Mary pass try to stop this wedding, but if his wife was still there, he would just show up at the wedding. He wouldn't have said much. He might have still thought this guy's an asshole, but he would just kept his mouth shut and gone home. So right. that's my point. As a podcaster, <laughs> keep your mouth shut and go home. Stop doing this. That's how we can apply this to real life. The one lesson I take from this is uh, when Kathy Bates comes on to you, just go for it. Plow right in, baby. That's right. That is, man, that is a hard act to follow, Tim. That is well played. That is a good well, he knew that lesson was, to learn. He could read it all over your face. That's what you were about to say. So he just stole your No, it wasn't. Knife. Honestly, I'm genuinely shocked. I think the lesson I take from this is uh, you don't have to say everything that's on your fucking mind. Like sometimes <laughs> if something's hurtful, 
you maybe shut up and let your daughter live her life or let your friends or your partner live their lives. If it's not going to uh, do something constructive, it's not going to help things. Then why would you feel the need to like kind of dig in the knife? Like there's, there's no reason to do that. So that's what I took. There's also a big, I mean, there's a big difference in the the, the age plays a lot into it here. I mean, people in particular, Warren is making really rash decisions for him. A guy that was so conservative and just, so in his element with routine and what a lot of people would probably say is not a very adventurous life, very boring job, but he's really so focused on death and dying. Like there's a, he has a voiceover where he's talking about that he'll be dead in X number of years now. And if he doesn't get out and basically remarry, like do something, talk about pressure for a romance. It's exactly. like you're looking at it as far as what keeps my heart ticking, not that it provides any sort of emotional nourishment to me. And so trying to apply that structure into her life as far as like that everything you do is life or death, whatever. She'll find another yeah. guy with a mullet. I'm sure, you know, if, that, if that's <laughs> yeah. the, if that's the, the base, saying, if that's you, the base level, you, you can move up. Are you, the, are you that convinced that that relation, that marriage won't last? Yes, absolutely. Or, or that Damn. she is, she is uh, maybe headstrong enough to try to make it last. You know, I don't know. I, I think she knows both. she's too good for him. I think, I mean, I think she could try to make it work, but, uh, yeah, I think that this is something that, and yet again, we don't know that much about the film. Apparently the mother approved, or at least she was excited about the wedding. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that she takes much more after her mother as far as she has found someone that she can kind of, uh, push around. And the, probably the best thing you can say about Hope Davis, her character is that she seems to really be drawn to strong women in her life. And that's probably totally based on her upbringing with her or with her dad just not being a present guy and her mom yeah. running that house. I don't know how long that lasts. I'm thinking she'll turn out more like Roberta than she will her mother. I think she'll run through them. And she'll she'll eventually be in a hot tub and trying to move on to the next best thing. That's my hope. That's a happy ending for me. Roberta that's is fair. the happy ending. I'll accept it. Absolutely. I, th- I think we should end it. Happy ending. I think that's the perfect way Hey-o. to end one of these episodes. Uh, so, Tim, thank you for being here uh, to talk about About Schmidt. And why don't you tell people one more time how they can reach you online? Uh, Patreon.com slash First Time Watchers and at 1ST Time Watchers on Twitter. Patreon.com yes. slash First Time Watchers. <laughs> we don't currently have a Patreon for this uh, podcast, but you can send us recommendations at grandgesturepod at gmail.com contact us on twitter instagram or facebook at grandgesturepod we are open to uh, any particular romance picture you would like us to cover uh, clearly um, Kathy Bates in a hot tub that does it for us so if you can find something else similar uh, but as far as our next episode we're going to stay on this path of especially during the holiday season visiting families of our loved ones And we're going to look back at Amy Adams' breakout film, Junebug. So if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or your pod player of choice. And you'll get this much anticipated by the internet, Junebug episode. I don't think a day goes by that people don't ask for a movie podcast covering Junebug. So you'll get it first. Delivered to your smartphone, tablet, personal desktop, Walkman, whatever it is. Thanks again for your support. One get one more in there. I like it. Dave, you're <laughs> editing the show, so I'm I'm putting it on you to edit out every mention of his Patreon and replace it with oh, yours you. with other. It'll be <laughs> Patreon.com/slash popculturepatreon. Uh. <laughs>